Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross. Andre Rublev is your 2023 Monte Carlo champion. Andre Rublev is a Masters 1000 champion. A very long time coming. He beat Holger Runa in the final. Lost the first set 7-5. Won the next two. 6-2-7-5. Rublev, a Masters 1000 champion at last. I'm going to talk about the final, break it down, and that'll be the entirety of the show. Uh, there is some other stuff that I know I need to get to, but I'm going to make separate videos at the beginning of this coming week. French Open Power Rankings, time to bring that back. And there was a lot of off-court drama during Monte Carlo, and I do want to talk about that stuff. But this show, in particular, will be all about Andre Rublev's victory over Holger Runa. And I want to start here. The stuff I'm about to talk about, I don't usually talk about it. I usually skip this kind of stuff on the show. I never feel like it's my place to tell you how you should feel about a result, if you should be happy, if you should be sad. But this feels a little bit different. This feels like such a consensus feel-good story. And for that reason, I do want to talk about that. Here's a guy in Andre Rublev who cares so much. He wants it so bad. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and it hasn't been easy. In fact, it's been unbelievably difficult. We have watched this guy go through the pain and the agony of losing the biggest matches of his life. He's won some big ones. He's won some big 500 finals. He's beaten Novak Djokovic. He's beaten Stefano Tsitsipas. He's beaten Alexander Zverev. He's got big wins, but at the Masters, at the Slams, at the year-end championship, I know if, if you're an Andre Rublev fan, you are so tired of hearing this. And guess what? You're not going to have to hear it as much anymore because he's won this. But let's go through it one more time. At least one more time. 0-6 in major quarterfinals. 0-2 in Master 1000 finals. Tough one at the year-end championships last year in the semifinal, losing badly to Rude. The only one that you're going to probably continue to hear now is that major quarterfinals mark because he does need to uh, get over that hump. But you will no longer hear about his Masters finals or his his performance in, in tournaments above the 500 level. A huge title. And a guy who goes through all of that, he deserves to get one. He simply deserves to get one. 
the lower the lows, the more lows that you go through, the higher the highs feel. What a moment it was for Andre to get this in the end, 7-5 in the third. Plus, besides for the fact that he has experienced all those, you know, brutal uh, crushing losses, he's generally just a gem of a character, unbelievably endearing, honest, uh, real, genuine, vulnerable. I know I used a lot of synonyms, but I guess that hammers the point home. So I don't know who isn't happy about this. Feels like everybody's happy about this. I sure am. If you're not, I'd love an explanation. You might be the Grinch. I don't know. Let's uh, let's talk about the mental side. I thought that would be the biggest factor. That's what I was most curious about. With all of those, you know, previously difficult performances for Rublev in these kinds of matches. Where again, I don't feel like Andre has has just been outclassed. I, I literally think he generally hasn't even brought his best game to these kinds of matches, which has been the most unfortunate part of it. Not to say that he could play his best and still lose. That could happen. That's not what was happening. And that's why I was concerned coming into this final. And it was kind of a, okay, prove me wrong here because not only do I need to see you win one of these things, I need to see you play well in one of these things. And immediately, even in the first set, there was a difference. And it was it was clearly going to be the best Rublev has ever played in a big match. Was he going to win? Was he going to lose? Wasn't clear. But what was clear is that he showed up. And look, mentally, once again, he was amazing. He was amazing mentally in this match. Someone asked me in a mailbag recently, you know, how are we defining mentally strong? Like, what are the factors? The biggest thing is the Mike Tyson quote. Well, actually, it's not really the Mike Tyson quote. But essentially, I was going to say, when you get punched in the face, how do you respond? But when stuff goes wrong and there's adversity, how do you respond? Rublev controlled his frustrations really well. Lost the first set in pretty heartbreaking fashion. I'll get into that. Responded with a great start to the second set. Phenomenal. And then in the in the third set, down 4-1, love 30. Really stayed with it. Never disengaged from the match mentally. Never let his effort level, his focus level dip. Never let his decisions become rash or panicky. The guy was just on it from start to finish. And just like in Australia when these two played, it was a, a contrast to what was happening on the other side of the net where Holger Runa still has this youthful, this youthful kind of tendency to go in and out and in and out. And let's face it, when we're looking at the second set, Runa didn't give himself much of a chance. The guy was just on another planet upstairs. He wasn't focused at all. And when Holger was down 4-2 in the second set, he let it go. I mean, he was done at that point. Rublev, same situation, but worse in the third set, really stuck with it and was very, very stubborn about making Runa earn everything from there. So there was a difference there. Now I would say one difference from Australia that was positive for Holger is uh, I didn't think Runa had a lot of issues with the nerves. I know he blew a lead, 
But I don't think he blew a lead because of the nerves. It was more his body. We talked about that potentially becoming a key. Uh, the tough turnaround for uh, for Runa. Having to play a really physical and emotional match. 7-5, uh, 7-5 in the last two sets against Yannick Sinner. Ended, uh, I think, around 11 p.m. local time in Monte Carlo. Holger probably doesn't get to bed until 1 in the morning, if not later. And then has to wake up for the final without a day of rest. Serious business there. And in the third set, we, we may have seen the effects of a lot of tennis in a short period of time with probably suboptimal sleep. We, we may have saw the effects of that in the third set. So with that in mind, I want to kind of summarize the, the first three sets and then we'll talk about some tactical stuff. I don't know why I said the first three sets. All three sets. First set was really close. There wasn't much between the two. Runa broke for the set at 5-6. And I think Holger deserves a ton of credit for how he played this game. I only scored one unforced error for Rublev in this 5-6 service game. And it was the set point. The set point was pretty brutal. A really, really bad miss for Andre, given the circumstances. Just a, a routine plus one forehand. Especially for Rublev, it's just a shot that he tends to never miss. He's so good at attacking with his with his forehand from the middle of the court, uh, especially on the plus one, and he just missed it. So that was a bad miss. But other than that, a lot of great stuff from Runa. Great return at love all. Uh, great forehand defense at 30-all, which turned into bad luck for Rublev because the ball skid off the, the baseline and kind of disrupted uh, the point for him uh, because of how it bounced. So you mostly have to credit Runa there. I would say the main thing that was overarching about the first set that really killed Rublev was his serving stats. Serving stats were horrible. We'll get into it. The Runa return strategy definitely played a role in that, but Rublev really didn't get anything out of his first serve uh, for the entirety of the set, and that was a big problem for him. Second set was really a lot about sloppiness from Holger. Losing a lot of points from winning positions, a lot of forehands, a lot of volleys, a lot of backhand drop shots, and then ultimately a complete lack of focus once he went down 4-2. On the other hand, Rublev's forehand was really, really sharp in the second set. And he did a great job of never giving Holger a reason to refocus. Now, I mentioned that Runa went away. But the thing is, if, if Rublev made a couple of mistakes, let's say at the start of a service game. Let's say he, he hits a double fault, misses a forehand, and suddenly it's love 30. You better believe that... Something like that is going to snap Runa right back into it. That's what the scoreboard does. You know, you allow your opponent to, you make a couple of mistakes and now your opponent feels, oh, whoa, I'm, I'm in this. I let me, let me focus here. I have a chance here. Rublev really never let Runa have that moment. So he did a great job of keeping it really tight. And there were, there were very, very few errors in the second set. Runa was kind of all over the joint. It was not a competitive second set. Can leave it at that. Third set, by far the most interesting. Third set was great theater here. Aruna, start of the set, definitely locked in and engaged mentally. And we saw the result of that was he started executing his aggressive tennis extremely well. Best serve plus one tennis of the entire match 
came from Runa in the first half of the third set. Really great shot making even on the return on the second game of the third set when he got the break. And Holger built this lead, but it was amazing because at the same time he was building the lead, you could also see that he was losing his legs. These two things were happening at the exact same time. Runa is so talented with his shot making that he was simultaneously getting the better of play, but also losing his legs at the same time. Again, it's because the serve plus one play was so dominant and a lot of the shot making on the aggressive returning and, and thereafter uh, in that second game of the third set was just exceptional. So Runa was losing his legs, but so so he had this lead, and then the question was, was Holger going to be able to cross the finish line here, or were the physical issues going to catch up with him in the third set? And of course, we know it was the latter. In physical decline, Runa had to change some strategy a little bit, which we'll get into. Rublev started getting a lot of cheap points and early success on the serve because Runa didn't really want to defend anymore. Andre was also much more fit in the long rallies. Holger, when you look at it, and I think Rublev deserves a lot of credit, it was not a self-destruction from Runa uh, in the big picture. But if you zoom in on the two breaks of serve, Runa was pretty rough. He was pretty rough in both of these games in the third set. Uh, he had points, and we'll look at this point. He had a point to go up 5-1 in the third set. Couldn't convert that break point. At 4-2, two, two double faults and a backhand unforced error that he had all day to set up. And at 5-all, two missed overheads, a double fault, um, and a missed open stance backhand, a shot that he kept missing. So we're going to come back to those themes uh, Rublev was was pretty convincing, serving out the match at 6-5. He played a great first point of that game, uh, which is another one we'll talk about. So I wanted to kind of summarize the match um, in chronological order because it was a match that ebbed and flowed. Now let's get into some of the bigger themes tactically. Part of that ebb and flow was a tactical change that Runa made that I think was really crucial to the outcome of the match. Now... It was a, usually we talk about a player struggling and then perhaps making a tactical adjustment that improves their situation. This was a very different thing. Runa had a tactic that was working, working really well, and he had to change the tactic uh, because he couldn't do it anymore because his legs weren't up to the task. And that uh, was the, the deep return position, the deep return position that was effective in the first set. And uh, I just want to kind of show you uh, what this looks like uh, visually. So here is the start of Rublev's service game at 1-4, down 1-4 in the third set. And I want you to note Runa's return position. I'm going to show you another point on the deuce side uh, in the first set at the start of a Rublev service game. And look where Holger is all the way on the back fence. All the way back. Couldn't be any further back. Now, in the first set, here's what happened. Rublev, on his own serve, if I'm looking at the effectiveness of it, I look at zero through four shot rallies on Rublev's serve. 
It was 9-9. He got no advantage out of his serve. You figure after four shots, the advantage of the serve is kind of diminished or kind of back to neutral. Not always, but a lot of the time. 9-9. Unreturned percentage below 15%. Wasn't getting wasn't getting unreturned serves. For serve points, one. Below 65%. So Rublev's first serve in the first set wasn't getting him anywhere. Wasn't doing anything. On this slow Monte Carlo clay, with a deep return position, you're going to give yourself a chance to get a lot of returns back in play. And then Runa can use his legs to dig back into the point and recover his court position. But it takes a lot of it, it it takes a little bit of running. It takes some hard work with the feet in order to play from a deep return position and to work your way back into the point. You're going to play a longer point uh versus the alternative. I'll talk about the alternative in a second. Um the alternative instead of playing the deep return position was to play the tight return position, stand in on the baseline. And here are the results. In the third set, points zero through four shots on Rublev's serve, 19 to nine. 19 points for Rublev, nine for Runa. That's more like it. Unreturned percentage, above 25%. Win percentage above 75%. So you had an over 10% increase in unreturned percentage, over 10% increase in first serve points, one percentage. And you look at the most important stat of all, which is, you know, are you winning points? Are you winning short points behind your serve? And the answer is yes in the third set. And in the first set, it was no. It was that you weren't getting any advantage from your serve. So in the third set, Runa was trying to rush Rublev off the return of serve. Stand in, hit it hard. And if you if you make it successfully, you're not going to have to work very hard in the point because you're in an offensive position right away off the return of serve. And as Runa started to feel his legs and started to lose the explosiveness in his legs, um, there was some fatigue setting in. He decided, I need to land aggressive returns. I need to try to rush Rublev on the plus one ball. I'm not willing to do the the defensive work and the, the road work in order to get back into points after looping returns in play from the back fence, but it was working. So if he was just able to stick with it, it would have given him a much better chance. I also would like to point out, you know, we mentioned that unreturned percentage skyrocketing. I want to give you the exact number because it's so significant. Uh, in the first set, Rublev first serves unreturned 12.5%. In the third set, Rublev first serves unreturned 29%. The reason I, I I think this is so important 
is because we know how tennis matches are. Not every point is created equal. Let's look at the most important point of the match. The point that delivered Rublev this Masters 1000 title in all likelihood. It's break point. Runa has a point for 5-1 here. And Rublev serves T. And Runa is up on the baseline. Unlike early in the match when he was standing deep. And Runa has to hit a block return on the stretch here. And it goes just wide. I'm sorry, but if Runa was on the back fence, this serve wasn't all that amazing. Uh, Runa was would have been able to take an extra step on this slow clay court. He would have had time, I think, to get over there to hit topspin and hit a, a high topspin return. Uh, plenty of net clearance and hope to get some depth and just loop it back into the court. Rublev is going to get a forehand from the middle of the court. Uh, if Holger does that, but Holger's going to be in great defensive position uh, to to try to get back into the point. And he's probably going to get back to neutral at a certain point and have a chance to win a neutral rally. That's what was happening in the first set. But in this case, he's up on the baseline and Rublev gets a free point, which was happening in the third set. So this was a massive key. I think I hammered the point home. I think you guys all get it. Um... Another thing was the the court positioning in rally and the, the footwork, the aggression, the aggressiveness of the footwork in rally. I thought this was significant. Runa had to hit a lot more backhands in the third set compared to the first set. In the first set, Runa hit 71 forehands and 46 backhands. Something that I really liked that Holger was doing all week long. And I felt all week long he was really favoring the deep positioning playing really well from deep in the court, able to get a lot out of out of himself uh, with his power and his weight of shot offensively, uh, getting himself extra forehands. The deeper you are in the court, the more time you have to run around your backhand and get a forehand. So I thought he was finding himself as many forehands as possible, using the heavy topspin off the forehand really, really well, and using his legs to cover the court and and use his athleticism and his ability to hit really big on the run, which I think is one of the Runa's best quality uh, qualities. And he does that so well from a deep court position. First set, he was using that. And he made 71 forehands to 46 backhands. That's a guy who's working hard with his feet. That's a guy who is giving himself a lot of leeway with the court position to find forehands. In the third set, Runa hit 75 backhands to 44 forehands. Part of that was a, an adjustment from Rublev, which I'll talk about. But part of that was Runa hugging the baseline, so less time to run around, and not wanting to work as hard with the feet. So accepting more backhands because it takes more effort to, to run around. Not only do you leave some court open, but you just need to move your feet uh, more. It's it's a more tiresome movement versus just hitting the backhand. So that was a big reversal. But part of that was also Rublev changing the way he was going. Uh, he was hitting his backhand. And Rublev was having to hit a lot of backhands because Runa, just like he did against Yannick Sinner, just as I said in the preview that he would, was going down the line with his forehand a ton, wanting to make Rublev hit 
plenty, a steady diet of backhands, which is the less dangerous side for Andre. And Runa wanted to hit that heavy ball to the Rublev backhand. One of the massive, massive takeaways for me in this match. Rublev's backhand simply kicked butt, especially in the third set from down 4-1. His backhand could not have been better. I cannot say enough about it. It was an absolute superstar in this match. It was the MVP for Rublev in this match besides the mental game. The backhand was just awesome. As the match wore on, Rublev uh, hit it more and more cross-court. He started to become very confident that he could beat Runa backhand to backhand in the cross-court, uh, whereas in the first set, he was going down the line on it much more often. So he changed that up. In the third set, he went 81% cross-court. Uh, he was hitting it way too well for Runa to run around it. And Runa was making some enormous important errors changing direction down the line. He was usually the first to change down the line. Runo, uh, Rublev was just staying solid in the cross court. And, you know, you can look at Deuce at 4-1. So after Rublev had got that service winner T, where I, I just showed the, the, the screenshots of it, on the very next point, they play a backhand, a backhand, pretty long baseline rally. Runa goes line and it goes long. And Rublev ultimately holds serve. Very next game, 1540, um, on the break point, same thing where Rublev hits a backhand cross court, gets good angle on it. It's not an awesome backhand cross court, honestly. It's it's quite pedestrian. And Runa changes down the line and misses it long. Uh, we also saw a lot in the second set, some backhand to backhand exchanges. Runa goes to the drop shot and gets himself in trouble there. So Rublev wasn't missing backhands. He was so solid. And then he hit some well enough to make Runa hit open stance. And Runa was having a lot of trouble once his legs got tired executing the open stance backhand. I don't think he was pushing off his left leg enough when he was hitting it. He was very upright and uh, a lot were going into the net. And there was even a really important one at 5-all in the third where Runa missed uh, an open stance backhand into the net. Uh, I'm not sure if it was off of a Rublev. It I think it was it was right off of a Rublev return, but I don't remember if it was a forehand return or a backhand return. Frankly, it was probably a backhand return because uh, it was um, on the ad side. So, um, The golden moment, though, of the Rublev backhand, the the poster moment, the moment where I was just like, all right, we got to talk about this backhand because it's stealing the show, was first point of the 6-5 game. Rublev is serving for his first Masters 1000 title. He hits six backhands, no forehands in this rally, and dictates the point from start to finish. Ends up taking one down the line, the next one cross court, beautiful combination of backhands to force the error where uh, Runa was on the run, desperation, slice, hit the net. So in this third set, Rublev hit... Got to pull up the numbers here. Uh, 77 backhands, 35 forehands, which was all credit to Runa. 
It was all just Runa was going there over and over again. 77 to 35, and he wins the set. For the match, Rublev hit 192 backhands to 112 forehands. If you told me that before the match, yeah, I, I would have thought Runa won it. I would have. Because generally speaking, Rublev, Rublev wants forehands to be successful. He does. But his backhand was simply impenetrable in this match. So good. And it was so important. Last two points. Uh, Runa double faults. Those were costly. He was going pretty big on the second serve. And the payoff wasn't really there. Rublev was putting good returns back in play. Even when Runa was making the second serve. Uh, but ultimately, Runa's double faults ended up ended up hurting pretty badly. Nine in the match, but I hate framing it like that. I really do. I, I think it's an awful way to to make a point when you're trying to say that double faults were an issue in a match. Uh, I don't think the total number really, really tells the picture here. You have to look at the double faults and figure out, did they matter? No, did they matter? Well, if you double fault four times and you still hold serve, then they didn't matter. You can throw those four double faults out the window. At the end of the day, uh, tennis, uh, none of those points ended up contributing to losing. None of those points contributed to a break of serve. So who cares that there were four double faults? Doesn't matter. This was a case where I can tell you the double faults mattered. I can tell you the double faults mattered because there were two double faults at 2-4 in the second set when Rublev broke serve. There were two double faults at 4-2 in the third set when Rublev broke serve. And there was one double fault at 5-all in the third set when Rublev broke serve. But it was 30-40. It was a huge point. 30-40. Those were the last three times that Rublev broke Runa's serve. And in each one of them, in two of them, there were two freebies from Rublev's perspective. And in the last one, there was one freebie, and it was on the break point at 30-40. On a clay court, going that big on second serves, probably not the call. But I do think it goes back to Runa being pretty desperate to dictate points. And to be very, very aggressive and to not run a lot. Did not want to be running into the corners. Wanted to stay in the middle of the court. Finishing points quickly with his aggression. And I think that desire might have contributed to how big he was going on the second serve. That said, I even saw some big ones in the first set when Runa did have his legs under him. And it is a part of his game. It's something that... Heck, I praised a ton on the indoor hard courts last fall. I, I praised the heck out of it because it was making Runo really hard to deal with, really hard to beat. But as we know, 110 miles per hour on an indoor hard court goes a much longer way than 110 miles per hour on a slow clay court. A much longer way. Not to mention, with no wind... Indoors, you're going to double fault less. Runa has a kick serve. He's got a good one. I wish he used it more. Um, maybe you give him a pass because, because of the tired legs. I don't know.
And the last thing, something that I talked about in the preview, and it ended up being really key. And if you're listening to my analysis, you're you're probably, and, and you, you watch the match carefully, you're probably thinking, Gil, why haven't you talked about this yet? Um, because it ended up really being the inflection point at the match at the, of, of the match at the very end, which is mistakes from attacking positions. And in the preview, I said, Rublev is not going to mess up from winning positions very often because he has a simplified approach. It's a simplified approach for Andre Rublev. I'm going to hit the ball really hard into the corners. I'm probably going to stay back at the baseline. And I'm going to hit the ball really hard in, into the corners. That's pretty much what I'm going to do. It's not going to be a lot of drop shot. Um, I don't, you know, necessarily need to uh, mix it up too much. I'm usually going to hit hard into one of the corners. That's it. Runa is using the full repertoire. He's hitting a lot of backhand drop shots in this case. He's coming forward. And the potential is higher for that. He's doing a, a lot more different things. I would say there's more baseline variety too. Some more changes of direction. Some more short angle stuff. Uh, the potential for the, all that is higher. But it's not always executed as well. Runa left a lot of points on the table. Again, a lot of poor backhand drop shots. Some bad volleys. Some easy missed forehands. Rublev did not have a lot of those. Just the crucial one at the end of the first set. But at 5-all, Runa missed two overheads to start that game. He played two really good aggressive points, good serves, good ground strokes, missed two overheads. Now, this is a case where, you know, you can't really, you can't really say that it's about Runa's approach as much. Now, now maybe he he drew the lobs by coming forward. Uh, but yeah, you can't say that it was really about his approach. It's more about his execution. Uh, and there's really not much more that I can add to it. But I thought that Rublev would not make a lot of mistakes from winning positions. And Runa might. And lo and behold, if you really look at how this went down at the very end, that's what you have to circle. You have to circle the two missed overheads to start the five-all game. And mind you, the other two points that Runa won in that game, sorry, that Rublev won in that game, have also been mentioned in this analysis, which was an open stance backhand, the one that he was struggling to hit because he wasn't pushing off the left leg well, and a double fault, which we just talked about. So there it is. Andre Rublev, his first Masters 1000 title. So well deserved. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time.
Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.